Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. And I'm Kate. Welcome to Season 2 of Topical Island. In every episode, we'll dive into a new topic. From the morbid to the magnificent. The heartfelt to the ridiculous. Join us as each week we take you to a different topical island. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Island Hoppers. Welcome, Kate and Julie. For some reason, I feel like it's been forever, but it's only been a week. Uh, what have you guys been up to, Kate? Oh, geez. Um... You know, I knew this question was coming, and all of a sudden I feel very unprepared. Uh, what has been going on? I'm just very thankful that the cold snap has broken, and you don't have to brace yourself every time you crack a door yes. for one reason or another. So I'm sure there are lots of people out there who are feeling the same. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it's just it's just been busy. It's been a busy January. I don't have anything exciting to report. I apologize. To you no. both and to our listeners. No need to apologize. <laughs> That's life. Sometimes it's exciting, sometimes it's not, and no news is quite often good news. Yeah, we'll say that. So, <laughs> how about you, Julie? Do you have anything uh, exciting to report? Um, you know, I'm also super glad about the weather change. I thought I would, you know, I should have mentioned this before Christmas. Also, apologies, we have a baby with us today for anybody who hears funny little noises. That's all that is. Um, and I just, do you know, do you, either of you, have you seen the show Death in Paradise? No, no, but I feel like I've heard of it. So it's basically a British uh, detective inspector kind of gets roped into working on this, the little island of Saint-Marie in the Caribbean with, a, you know, um, he's got a local police squad and he's a bit of a fish out of water and uh, they solve murder mysteries every week. And if you need a show for when your in-laws are over or say you're at your aunt and uncle's house and you want something that's like has mass appeal, that's like, mm. but like, it's not political. It's not going to bother anybody. Watch Death yes. in Paradise. It is just a lovely little show and it makes you dream about solving murder mystery murders on this little tropical island and it's lovely interesting where can you find that show well i know that it has been it kind of cycles through the streaming services i think right now it's on prime i want to say because it is a bbc show that it has been on the cbc gem app at some point which is a free app so probably worth looking there but uh all yeah, right. Well, I definitely will look that up. I loves me a good old British procedural right? crime show. Crime show. Yeah, they're good at the whodunits. I feel like the Brits invented a whodunit. Well, that's high praise because you're not a big murder gal. I don't love murder. Like I'm not into, although, you know, I, I used to watch Criminal Minds and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it, this is lighthearted and wholesome in a weird way. I mean, the most murders ever on a tropical island, I think, but it's quite <laughs> it's like wholesome. Nancy Drew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> How about you, Kristen? Well, I have a prop that no one can see besides you two. I it's called Fifty Two Lists for Happy. Do you have it, Kate? I totally do. I saw you post that picture, and I was going to text you a picture of mine. That's so funny. Oh, oh my did you gosh. buy it or was it a gift? No, this was it was actually a gift from my daughter's aide. Um, she gave oh, it to nice. me on my birthday at the Ret Run. Oh wow. Oh sweet. It's very cool. So my so I'm kind of on this theme of like not necessarily like I couldn't really think of any New Year's resolutions I wanted, but I was like, okay, this year I'm gonna try to like 
be live with more gratitude or whatever. But I was think I, I kind of get I was kind of getting like tired out of just doing like gratitude lists. And I found this. It's on well, I found it at Chapters, and it's all these different kinds of lists that it, like just kind of might remind you of different things. So like the first list was like things that you make you happy right now. But then I'm just looking right now like uh list the routines in your personal life and work list the ways that you feel lucky so it's like different ways to go about it so i'm like i'm really excited for it so just um it's called 52 lists for happiness if anyone out there loves lists and wants to join kate and i I (laughs) on this list adventure i also i mean if people are interested i also know that there are different variations there's also like a 52 list for calm to help you Mm. with anxiety or just to kind of promote those thoughts and feelings and so yeah really cool I'm excited for mine too yeah awesome well what I really want to know is Julie where are you taking us today well I'm gonna take you to the wonder bowl not the wonder bra the wonder bowl so um okay this topic we'll get there it's kind of a roundabout one so I, we're going to start by talking a little bit about women in the workplace, going back to World War II. So at the Wait, time- Wait, so you're going you're gonna to just leave us hanging what a Wonder Bowl is? Yeah. And here's what I will tell okay. you. You already know what a Wonder Bowl is. You, your mother, or your grandmother had, has one or had one. Ooh. Oh, I have some guesses. All right. So- um, Talk about burying the lead. My goodness. Okay. And it's going to take me a while to get <laughs> Sorry, listeners, but you got to wait. Remember the word Wonder Bowl. Stay with us. <laughs> Stay with us. All right. So um, back in World War II, obviously, um, as many men went to war, especially in the later years of the war, uh, women started to take on work in, in the workplace that they hadn't typically taken before, like factories and I don't have any other examples. Factories, <laughs> factories, offices, uh, wherever. So to to put that in perspective, in Canada, there was about 11 million Canadians in Canada at that time. Uh, before the war, 600,000 women had jobs outside of the home. Um, during the war, 1.2 million women had jobs outside the home. So doubling the number of women in the workforce. So think of like Rosie the Riveter and kind of that era of women uh, going to work. Um, But once the war was over, there was a few things that happened. One, there was a baby boom. Many families had many children. There was quite a boom. And of course, the men that came back from war kind of expected to go back to work, to go back to their jobs. And so those jobs that many women had held during wartime were no longer available to them. So um, the other thing is, you know, for a lot of women, especially those who are have babies, um, it is really hard to hold a in like non-flexible job at a factory where you're working um, extensive hours and are being away from your family and there's no flexibility there. So Mm -hmm. it was really hard. um, So for women to hold on to those jobs. So, um, so that was happening for women in the workforce. And the other thing that was happening post-war was it was a real time of innovation. So during the 1950s, some examples of things that were invented that previously hadn't existed were credit cards, integrated circuits, birth control, Teflon, Barbie dolls, polio vaccine, solar cells, and polypropylene. So like these are some big innovations of the time, some kind of stemming from some of the innovations that happened during the war. Um, And polypropylene is a plastic. 
And so plastics were becoming really big and really important as they sort of took the place of glass and metals um, because they were so durable and relatively inexpensive to make. So all of this was happening in tandem. Enter Earl Tupper. Now, Earl Tupper is the inventor of the Wonder Bowl, which is the number one bestseller of the company Tupperware. Oh. So the Wonder Bowl, you have seen this bowl. It is a hard plastic bowl that has like a clear kind of half semi-translucent clear uh, like white lid that fits on nice and tight. Mm -hmm. And these things are flipping bulletproof. Like I, I know my grandma still has the one that she probably got in 1956. Like, you know? I'm sure my mom has hers as well. Yeah. Like these, hmm. yeah, they're, um, now, have either of you been, are you, either of you, do you own any Tupperware? I know Ziploc has kind of taken over the marketplace by creating these more half disposable versions of Tupperware. Mm-hmm. I own a few pieces of Tupperware and they are, they are indestructible. Sorry, I had to Google a Wonder Bowl. Yes, I totally know what you mean now. (laughs) (laughs) You have eaten out of that bowl, right? You've seen potato salad in that bowl. Definitely. Potato salad. Oh, that's what would go in that bowl. (laughs) Yeah, that's what is meant for for the Wonder Bowl. I never ate one growing up, but I picture like it's a perfect bowl to make a a gelatin, jelly, like, you know, jello with the fruit and stuff in it, like that kind of salad. A hundred percent. Yes. And and, yeah, and Kate, you mentioned the ones that have sort of this kind of like rippled lid almost. Like the rigid top. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like almost like a lemon squeezer or something. Yes. And that was the Wonder Bowl of the 70s. So yes, absolutely. And so the original going back. Oh, that was a fancy Wonder Bowl. Well, I mean, you know, they continued to innovate over there at Tupperware. So... Um, so so Earl Tupper, um, great innovator, kind of invented these bowls with this really tight fitting lid that was very practical. And um, they tried selling mm. it in department stores and it didn't go well. Within the, you know, plastics industry, he was seen as sort of a visionary and having done, you know, people were like, you know, in the industry, they thought the Wonder Bowl was great, but it wasn't really selling on shelves. In 1951, Earl hired Brownie Wise, who was a, a a woman in the workplace, and she became the VP of marketing at Tupperware. And she really is kind of the inventor of the at-home party. So when you take into account women who, whoa, right? I so we can we're we can credit her with all the guilt money we've spent over the years. <laughs> yes. Kristen, was it with you that I went to a tropical plant party? Is that you? Yeah. And they were like what? silk plants, right? Silk they plants. Were like not real plants. Even. Yeah. Plastic plants. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like a Tupperware party, but for plastic plants. <laughs> yeah. I think I resisted actually in that one. Yeah. I think you won the game though. The, the, now, so... Let's, Kate, I, I'm assuming you've been to a Tupperware or a Mary Kay. I think you've hosted one of those jewelry ones. I hosted Estella and Dot. I've been to the hosted. Yeah, I've been oh, to Oh, I many. love Estella and Dot. That doesn't count. <laughs> it's still an at-home. No, I know it is. But I just like, I'm out. Invite me to your Estella and Dot. I just want to put it out there. I, I To me, I'll 
that's a good excuse to buy it. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> that's okay. So as we mentioned, all these companies, so what I don't want to explore is sort of the terrible direct marketing pyramid scheme aspect of Tupperware and other businesses like this. I know Vice did a really good piece on it. John Oliver's done a good piece on that. Kate, you had mentioned that you'd seen a documentary about uh, Lula Row that sells the stretchy pants like that. But I wanted to kind of explore it as sort of this introduction of flexibility in the workplace. Because hmm. you could, the whole beauty of it was that women could work, but still have, it's totally on their own schedule with their own um, network of people. And you could, you know, a lot of people had moved to the suburbs at that time. So, you know, you could have your whole cul-de-sac over and have flexible hours and then a little cash in your pocket. So along came the iconic Tupperware party. And so imagine a well-dressed dealer with practice demonstration skills would show the hostess and her friends how to use high-tech, colorful, new kitchenware. She'd lead the group in dramatic party Ooh. games, which we still see those party games today. That's all part of those parties. Dramatic party games? Well, mm -hmm. wait, what do you mean? You would take a Wonder Bowl, fill it with grape juice, oh. put the lid on, and throw it across the living room. Very dramatic. What? Ooh, that's a bold move. Right? It's like flipping a blizzard upside down. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to demonstrate the strength of the patented seal of the Wonder Bowl. So dealers had the support of the Tupperware company and the regional dealer network who would manage and encourage them to develop their demonstration skills. And in return, they were able to earn some income and recognition. They sold the products at retail prices and Tupperware took the wholesale price of the item. So I think it was quite an innovative idea. I know that it's kind of morphed over time, but I think this is a great way to um, like, yeah, to sell. And I mean, obviously door-to-door -door sales have been a thing for forever and ever, but this was different, right? Having a party, hosting the party, having everyone come to your home, do the demo, and then then they pay up right there and then. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very ingenious idea. Sure is. So... Tupperware sales, so they were doing nothing in department stores, but once they started the parties, um, basically it would be worth about 250 million in sales today, a year. So all of a sudden Tupperware put their name on the map and anyone could be a dealer. Um, it was mostly women, but whether you're uh, urban, rural, regardless of your ethnicity, it didn't matter because it was about your own network and Tupperware wanted you and your network of sales, right? So I think it was kind of a cool kind of progressive idea to do this kind of sales. And I mean, obviously it's caught on today. And now Brownie Wise, the VP of marketing, was also would get women together at rallies to get the top sellers together. She was really encouraging and they started these pep rallies and retreats. And even back then it was referred to as kind of a religion. So I think we see that today with like Mary Kay and stuff. That um yeah, yeah it can everyone get, wants that pink Cadillac. Yeah, you really can get pulled in, but I think it really did start from kind of an earnest place of wanting to get people selling Tupperware and women to sell it in their homes. And I don't think it was malicious by any stretch um, at the beginning. So Brownie Wise became the face of Tupperware, while Earl Tupper continued to innovate in the background. But over time, this kind of caused some friction between the two. Oh. Yes. 
1958, Earl decided he wanted to sell the business. Unfortunately, and this is a quote, I'm not saying this, but this is a quote. His gut told him it would be less attractive to sell with an outspoken woman at the helm of the sales end. So what? I'm not processing that quote. Um, basically, what he was saying was he wanted to sell the business, but he didn't think it would be easy to sell a business where a woman was in charge of all marketing. Hmm. But isn't that his situation? It is his situation, <laughs> but he's wanting to sell the business. Oh, I see. Like he was wanting to sell. So the he's business saying he's going to have a challenge. Yeah, he doesn't oh, see okay. a buyer wanting to have a woman be the leader of the Tupperware marketing division. Gotcha. It's 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 crummy. Oh. And in January of 1958, the board fired Brownie Wise. <gasps> yeah, she never had a contract. She did sue and received one year's pay of thirty thousand dollars. But by the end of 1958, he did sell the business. She was canned. And is it Brownie like a brownie? Brownie like is her first brownie. name. Brownie is her first name. Yeah. Brownie. Brownie Wise. Brownie Wise. Oh. And of course, I've been Googling Tupperware and the one of the, <laughs> a great photo that comes up is of Brownie Wise throwing dramatically <laughs> a piece of Tupperware across the party. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, can you imagine like she's so like, I'm not like the plastic itself and Tupperware, great innovation, but this sales strategy, so yeah. innovative, innovative as well. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he, th and he gets the board to fire her so that it's, you know, it just looks better to, uh, to not have a woman in charge. So it'd be, he figured it'd be easier to sell the business. Well, that's blood boiling, right? <laughs> If I do say so myself. You need a really good strong man to sell Tupperware parties. Well, and that's just it. She knew her consumers. She knew her mm -hmm. and her dealers, right? Like, oh, how could that be a bad idea? Um, I will tell you that I on YouTube, I did watch a, uh, there's quite the, it's a very long uh, video from the 1960s of how Tupperware is made, created by the Tupperware company. And um, every single person in the office in that video was a man. So they're marketing, they're engineering. Um, and then once it got to the factory floor, it was all women who were actually working in the factory of the Tupperware. And I just thought it was mm. interesting. Um, mm. Now, Brownie did, or what happened? So, well, I'm getting there, man. Why is it not? <laughs> she did go on to work for other cosmetics companies um, with similar strategies, Ella Mary Kay, but none were ever as successful as Tupperware. I know. Did his strategy work though? <laughs> yes. I just want to know if it worked. Did getting rid of the lady oh. help him sell his yeah, business? Yeah, he sold that business that year. But you know what? I feel like it's, I don't think he could definitively say that they were able to sell it or sell it at a better price because they didn't have her. I don't think he, no. I, do, I think you're right. You couldn't definitively say that. I mean, he did sell the business that year um, for whatever that's worth. But I will say, and Kate, you've gone to the Tupperware website. The current Tupperware company really wants to pay homage to Brownie Wise and what she did for the business. Mm. And so they recognized cool. her not only on their website, but they've donated um, $200,000 to an Orlando park. And Tupperware is based in that area. And to, so they could rename the park the Brownie Wise Park. Um, and they've added Excellent. her to the official company history. But she pioneered the home party model. And 
it is why that company continues to be successful. And obviously so many other companies copied and pasted. And today Tupperware is sold by about 3.2 million different dealers worldwide. Wow. Yeah. So very- And it was also giving women an opportunity to essentially stay in the workforce. Yeah. And balance of family. That's right. That's right. And so there's lots of advertising of, um, you can see, so I've got a great little advert that I'll put in, but um, I'll do my best to do my 1950s advert read. She's earning good money and having fun too. So could you. She's a Tupperware (laughs) dealer, introducing her friends and neighbors to the best friend a kitchen ever had, Tupperware. I won't read the whole thing, but you get the idea that it was... Hey, I'd buy from you. Right? Oh, thank you. And it said, in this is a 19... Sometime in the 1950s, um, you could earn about 40 to $60 a week to your family income. So, like, I mean, it, not, even at that time, not a huge wage by any stretch, but there's some disposable income that is yours and yours alone as a woman, as you're able to do what was expected at the time, which was, you know, also have babies, keep the home up. So yeah, so I just wanted to d- let you all know about Brownie Wise and Tupperware. And I just thought it was so interesting um, that what happened after the Second World War, and it was a way for women to get back in the workplace. And I think it was like a really early, innovative way of introducing flexibility in the workplace. I mean, we talk about it so much now, but um, it was necessary then, especially for women who couldn't necessarily be out of the home for 8, 10, 12 hours of the day. Right. No, mm-hmm. so cool. Really interesting. And what I actually love the most is that, well, and now I'm a huge cheerleader of Brownie Wise, yes. is that you know we all know that Tupperware is a great product. I mean, you can't throw grape juice across the room in just any old bowl. No. But, you know, and a lot of people would say, ah, oh, that stuff sells itself. But clearly it didn't if it didn't sell in the department stores. And so it really is to the credit of Brownie Wise to be as innovative as she was and get it into people's homes. I think so, too. And like, especially something that is so, um, I mean, we all buy all kinds of kitchen gadgets from stores. But I mean, it's such a home-based project product that it totally makes sense to sell it in the home, see it in its natural mm-hmm. habitat. Mm-hmm. Well, and tapping into people's networks, like I think it's even like you talk about, you know, you talked about influencers. It's kind of that idea of like tapping into people's recommendations to their friends, their own personal networks, because that's essentially what people at least start with when they're doing that kind of thing. And so it really is pretty ingenious. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next time you are at a potluck or in the market for a quality plastic bowl, Think Tupperware. Next time you see one of those at a at a potluck, chuck it across the room. I know. Yeah. Use some of these what were that dramatic party tricks involving Tupperware. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. That was great. That's awesome. We always like to learn about a new female hero. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you. So I started this research by looking at a pamphlet um, about how to a pamphlet for men supervisors for how to deal with women in the workplace like because it was kind of relatively no new concept yeah so during wartime i will say that particular pamphlet was basically like how you should treat all people like things like make sure they get a (laughs) lunch break 
Um, you know, have access to clean Just drinking human water. Human decency and respect. Yeah. And then, and like really. How can... to deal with women. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. And, I, and um, you know, consider hiring a woman in HR. And it's like, because, you know, they would. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, uh, I thought it was. They I... might have a different perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be totally um, sexist and I was going to rip it to shreds. And then I was like, oh no, this is probably just how every single human wants to be treated. But that led me down some paths to find some really incredible um, women uh, in the workplace. And uh, hopefully in a future podcast, uh, we'll be able to explore some more of those. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. But today was all about Brownie Wise and the Wonder Bowl. And I thought that was kind of a cool story. Very cool. That was amazing, Julie. Thanks so much for sharing. And I'm sure we will talk about some other amazing women going forward. Speaking of an amazing woman, Kate, dun, 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 dun. What's, what's your good news? <laughs> well, I think you'll both be thrilled to, to learn this if you have not already heard the news story that goldfish can now drive cars. I have not. Oh, my God. I saw the headline and I just <laughs> kept scrolling. No, do not just keep scrolling. It is worth every viewing I have seen. I just think this is phenomenal. A team of Israeli researchers have discovered, have developed a so-called FOV or fish-operated vehicle. Oh gosh! So this oh, robotic, this robotic car is how fizz- big is it? <laughs> it's very small, so it's oh, great. It's a fish car. It's a little fish car. So what it looks like, if I, I'm, I hope I can describe it. Well, um, it's basically just a little square clear box with water in it on wheels. And it sits, it probably sits about chest height, but it's fitted with LIDAR and a remote sensing technology that uses pulsed laser light to collect data on the vehicle's ground location and the fish's fish's whereabouts inside the mounted water tank so that depending on how the fish swims it can drive the vehicle it will and go it in that direction so, yes oh wow so if it's if it's you know pushing against the the glass yeah heading forward and so maybe this is just you know you might think oh that's just a fish swimming around and this technology <laughs> is able to kind of make the wheels go yeah but with so with a computer a camera and electronic motors the omni wheels give the fish control of the vehicle so it is actually it is driving um mm-hmm. And so one scientist was quoted, one of the team members was quoted as saying, surprisingly, it doesn't take fish that long to learn how to drive the vehicle. Really? They're confused at first and they don't know what's going on, but they're very quick to realize the correlation between their movement and the movement of the machine that they're in. Wow. Yeah. So six. A goldfish? A goldfish. Yeah. So there were six goldfish, each of them receiving about 10 driving lessons. (laughs) took part in the study and each of them was able to reach a target that was set by the researchers once it did reach that target it of course was rewarded with food wait and sorry were the six fish together driving or they each took turns no they each took turns they each received around 10 driving lessons gotcha it'd have to be one fish per car right Right. That yes. would be too only confusing. one fish per car you can't they didn't Otherwise, want any back they didn't want any back seat drivers or <laughs> back, <laughs> back pond drivers or back oh. water drivers I don't know what the proper pun for that would be um <laughs> and uh one of the other team members said similar to humans there were 
there were very good fish that were doing excellent. And there were also mediocre fish that showed <laughs> control of the vehicle, but were less proficient at driving at it. So um, I'm sure like if humans. they each had their own, much like humans, each if they each had their own own vehicle, there would be, you know, little road rage here and there on the more proficient and the, the more mediocre drivers. So I just thought that was such a fun story. That's amazing. And I love it. Did they... Like, are they aiming to learn something from this? Uh, so, yes, they are learning from this as well. It's not just some sort of, <laughs> it's not just a fun experiment. They thought they'd throw a fish in a car. Which would be fine by me Which too. Which is but fine just... by me as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, and so one of the team members had said, we humans think of ourselves as so very special. Um, and many think of fish as primitive, but it's obviously incorrect. So showing that fish have the cognitive capabilities to navigate outside its natural environment of water can expand the scientific knowledge of the animal's essential navigation skills. And so oh, that was kind of their, yes. their thesis, I suppose. That makes sense. That makes me have to reconsider my pescatarianism. <laughs> you know, what's funny about that, though, is I mean, so often people have a thesis and they have a concept and they do the research and it doesn't come to fruition. Like this so easily could mm -hmm. have not been correct. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you just put a, like you have this fancy fish. But bowl. you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You never know. When you put a fish in a car until you put a fish in a car. That's right. Somebody had <laughs> to be the first. The moral of the story. Yes. Yeah. So I hope that puts a smile on your faces because it sure does. Mind. I'm just looking at and I'm just looking at the fish, fish in the car. And I love it. I mean, and that's the rest of my evening <laughs> because that story, you could be making that fully up. And that just made me so happy. <laughs> oh, gosh. What a, what a good, great news story. Um, I just have one question left. Island Hoppers, Julie, Kate, did you find what you were looking for? 